In every job that must be done, there is an element of fun. Fun, 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 fun. Light speed to the wondrous and wonderful. Cover is not the book, so open it up and take a look. Ah, if it isn't the only bookworm in town. What's that word again? Inspired. I have to sing. I have to play. The music, it's, it's not just in me. It is me. We're happier when you don't sing. Welcome to Notably Disney your ultimate podcast covering Disney music and books. I'm Brett Knackman, your host. Here we dig a little deeper and explore the great wide somewhere about everything under the Walt Disney Company umbrella as it pertains to tunes and writing, from the theme parks and television screens to the Broadway stage and the silver screen, if it relates to anything Disney songs, soundtracks, books, articles, or other things that you can listen to, or read about involving Disney, we'll examine it here. On this episode of Notably Disney, we're going to head into the Star Wars universe as we deconstruct the Rise of Skywalker soundtrack. Joining me in this discussion is my buddy and fellow Star Wars fan, Trent Vactor, as we talk about our interpretations of the film more generally before diving into the soundtrack, which is John Williams' ninth score for the Skywalker saga in Star Wars. Pretty incredible. Of course, because we are talking about the film, be aware that there are some spoilers. So if you have yet to see Rise of Skywalker, uh, you might want to hearken back to this episode at a later point. Well, the Force is strong with us today as we discuss Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, the latest installment in the very massive Star Wars franchise. Uh, and we're going to be talking about the score by the legendary John Williams. So joining me today is my fellow Jedi, Star Wars aficionado Trent Vactor. You remember him from back in episodes two and three of Notably Disney, when we talked about our favorite Star Wars tracks across the saga to date. Uh, In the years since, we now have a new addition to the Star Wars film catalog with Rise of Skywalker. So we're going to talk about the movie more generally, briefly, before diving into the soundtrack. So welcome back to Notably Disney, Trent. Thank you very much, Brett. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited, too. And it was a thrill to be able to see Rise of Skywalker together uh, a few weeks ago. And uh, I... Mind you, we saw it on a Saturday, and you had already seen it before, so <laughs> you you, are, you were getting your Star Wars share in the span of 48 hours, for yes. sure. Yes. But I guess before we go into the soundtrack, Trent, what, what were your overall sentiments about the movie? And we can talk about um, some specific aspects of it as well. I liked it. I did not love it. I had a good time in the theater, um, especially with you on our second viewing But there were, I guess, things 
that I felt needed more explanation or just needed further elaboration um, that just did not get addressed. And the movie moves at a breakneck speed, and so it's almost like you don't have time to stop and think about certain things. But then after you you get home and, and think about it, and I think there's a lot of things that Star Wars does where, hey, we'll tell you that side story in a comic book or we'll tell you this story in a novel. Um, and I don't necessarily like that approach, even though I'll eventually, you know, find out the story. But I'd like to I'd like to have it in the movie itself on a lot of these points. But overall, I enjoyed it. Um, but I. I was there was some things that I wanted a little bit more out of the, out of the film. You make a really good observation there because it makes me think of how the Star Wars universe has become so large, especially since Disney's acquisition. And and for your point, so much of this content is being shared in you know the comics and books and uh, the TV series yes. and other outlets that it is hard to keep track. And unless the film. Uh, serves as an encapsulation of all of it. You're right. It it can feel like there are some pieces missing. Yeah, and so and that's not necessarily something new with this film, but I don't know if that's the best way to tell a story. Um, I guess, like you said, the overall size of it, you may need to to put certain aspects of a story into another format, but overall. Especially with the Emperor, we should have known something more. We should have seen more in the film. Um, and I think a, a larger problem with the this new trilogy, Episodes 7, 8, and 9, was kind of a lack of a clear vision or focus. And each film felt like piecemeal and felt like, okay... They did one, and then they just handed it off to the next person and, and didn't think about the overall story arc, which is kind of strange to me because Lucasfilm has a story group, and it's a set group of individuals who kind of oversee everything, video games, movies, comic books, TV shows, and they're supposed to be kind of guiding everything. So for something as big as these movies, you know, they, they should be the top precedent of the Star Wars franchise. I kind of wish there was a little bit more of a cohesive vision from start to finish. Um, because this movie was supposed to be not only the end of this trilogy, they call it the sequel trilogy, 7, 8, 9, but also the Skywalker saga of all nine episodes. So it was supposed to be uh, an ending for both of those things but i i felt like it just didn't have a clear focus um to be that so there were some things that i would have liked maybe jj abrams to do all three movies or maybe brian johnson do all three movies who was the director of the last one but handing it off from director to director their original plan i just didn't think was was very well thought out yeah, there are definitely major challenges in orchestrating such a monumental piece of what is now the you know the Disney universe and and Star Wars encompasses such a, a large space in that. And you're right because there's that 
lack of consistency and in direction, it results in some uh, frustration. And I think it's very understandable, especially for folks like you and others who have been invested in these films in this uh, media for for many decades. Yeah, I, I definitely feel that too. Well, all all things considered. Uh, Rise of Skywalker was epic. You talked about how it was like yeah. nonstop, nonstop. I felt like you said breakneck speed. I was thinking light speed speed. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because um, <laughs> it was just so much coming at you and you had barely had time to digest anything because uh, there was uh, very little uh, room to breathe. Yes. Were there any surprising moments in the film, whether positive or negative, that resonate? I'm trying to think. Um... Probably, I would say, the Kylo Ren conclusion, I guess, to his storyline. I was eagerly anticipating what was going to happen in this film. And I guess the way that they chose to end it was kind of interesting to me, kind of stood out as, hmm, that wouldn't necessarily have been the way that I, I thought it was going to end or the way that I, I maybe thought was best, but I... Adam Driver was one of the standout performances to me of of this whole trilogy in general and, and this movie. So I always like him. I, I like him as an actor in general. So I enjoyed his performance in this film. But the way that his arc wrapped up, which was very – it's kind of a difficult thing to do because from the beginning, it, it seemed like he was going to be set up as – the reverse Darth Vader, he's on the dark side first and being pulled towards the light side. And unfortunately, because of yeah, Carrie Fisher not being available at this for this film, I think they had to kind of change what they were going to do. And it seemed like he was going to have a big moment with his mother, kind of a confrontation maybe to, to pull him back to the light side. But instead, they had to kind of go with Harrison Ford. Um, so I, a lot of real-world challenges also, I felt like, hindered the movie. And, and you could tell that they did the best with what they had. Uh, but I almost feel like it might have been a better decision just to um, not have Carrie Fisher in this movie and say either have her pass away in the last one or in between the two movies and, and kind of explain maybe even in the opening crawl, you know, unfortunately princess Leia died in a battle or something and then go from there and, and change it up because upon my second viewing, it was a lot more evident to me than in my first viewing. And I think it was because I was so excited and it was moving so fast. I didn't think about it too much, but all of her scenes they've told us were deleted scenes, unused footage from when J.J. Abrams directed her in episode seven. And every line was kind of – everything that they had recorded, they sculpted the scene around that. And when I watched it the second time, it was much more apparent to me that it felt like that, like exactly what it was. They were filling in um, to what they already had. I don't know, you know, it's great that she was in the film, but I don't know if that was necessarily the best choice. Um, 
because it just kind of held them back, kind of put shackles on them. I feel like, um, you know, you know, in terms of what they could do um, and where they could go with with her character. But I still, like I said, even though there are things I did not enjoy or I felt like could have gone in a different way, I still had fun with it. I still, when I was watching it, I was kind of saying, "Man, this is this is." This was made for me. This is exactly the the type of, you know, I love being in this universe. I love being with these characters. Um, and I just, I love Star Wars in general. And, and uh, that's that's why I'm here today. Yeah, I, I agree with you on the, with the notion of Carrie Fisher's inclusion, not necessarily behooving the story because it felt like that these were just extra scenes thrown in there to service fans who wanted to see her one last time as opposed to your idea of you know perhaps incorporating into the opening credits or um, figuring out a way to end her story in last jedi it didn't it didn't advance the narrative and that's i think ultimately was very frustrating and it it makes me think of the notion of the lesser of two evils right what would what would have been better to have her appear in these brief moments and uh, last in uh, Rise of Skywalker, or just conclude in Last Jedi, um, and you know Harrison Ford coming in such a surprise because he ultimately wanted to be written out of Star <laughs> yeah. Wars with Force Awakens, and then he's yeah. like, "Oh, I'm here for my cameo. <laughs> Give me my yeah. paycheck and royalties, please." <laughs> yeah, and I, I guess even from an from an in movie standpoint not necessarily you know we know the meta and the outside of, of everything but even in the movie world that kind of took me back because i said wait a minute he's not a jedi he's not one with the force so he wouldn't be a force ghost and he wouldn't be projecting into him so the way that they explained it was oh it was a memory but that we've never seen anything like that before where someone was able to just relive their own memory and so that it kind of didn't make sense to me i guess in a way but you know i I love seeing harrison ford um as everybody does but it just was kind of that kind of threw me aback when i saw him at first and i said what's going on here see i would have preferred seeing a time traveling indiana jones uh jumping (laughs) across universes and (laughs) this is a continuation of kingdom of the uh, crystal skull right so who knows <laughs> yeah get but, on that brit get get on get to work on that movie well you know what it's taking <laughs> disney and lucasfilm forever to make indiana jones 5 so yeah by the time they actually release the next um star wars film in theaters who knows if we will ultimately see an indy 5 one can hope yeah and unfortunately father time is is on, you know, working against us as, as far as that goes. Because even in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, I was like, man, Harrison Ford is not moving the way he used to. I don't know if, how many more of these Indiana Jones movies we're going to get, but um, I, I hope we could see one more before uh, before he passes away. Yeah, but on a lighter note, we had some hilarious scenes in Rise of Skywalker. Shall we talk about Babu? That easily was the standout moment for me and for my wife candy um babu frick everything about the character the way he looks the way he sounds all of his dialogue 
was hilarious. Actually, there was a lot of humor in this in this one. Now that I think about it, a lot of Poe Dameron's lines, um, a lot of just kind of funny moments in general. Um, definitely more than the last Jedi, um, but yeah, kind of along the lines of the Force Awakens. There was a lot of lighter, funnier moments than I was expecting. Uh, but yeah, Babu Frick, easily the best part. Um, we saw the movie also with your dad, and, and uh, after the movie, he said, or no, no, it was in the movie. Um, he said, Oscar, Oscar. It's a as soon as Babu Frick's scene was was on the screen, it was like Oscar nomination. I was like, yes, yes. Yeah, that would be a first for a droid to be nominated, <laughs> but maybe the voice actor, right? So yeah. Um, oh. Side note, I don't know if uh, any if we have any Harry Potter um, fans out there, but uh, also a John Williams connection. The voice actor that was Babu Frick plays Moaning Myrtle in the Harry Potter franchise. So there's a little tie for you. How do you like that? Um, <laughs> but yeah, the humor was great. And one piece of humor that I think worked out really well in Last Jedi, and it was extended to here in a sense, was General Hux, because uh, he had the scene with um, Poe and Hux in, in that film, and then yes. uh, certainly playing off of that a little bit uh, in in Rise of Skywalker. I, he, Don Hall Gleason did not have too many scenes, but and certainly he did not have a, a wonderful conclusion to his storyline, yeah. but uh, there was some good humor in there. And he was... I, I've loved him from from the first movie onward, but he, he needed more scenes in everything. I just his whole character needed more time in, in all of the films. But yeah, in this one in particular, he his humor um, was great. But man, I, it was so unceremoniously concluded his his whole arc and his whole story. Um, but yeah, he, he did provide some laughs for me as well in the movie. And C-3PO, who probably got more screen time in this film than yes. many recent Star Wars films, if I'm thinking correctly. Yes, that is 100% correct. I was actually surprised at how much screen time he got. Um, it was it was nice to see that and, and get a lot of Anthony Daniels. And also, he brought a lot of um, humor to it as well. Episodes 7 and 8, he's largely absent. Um from the movies so yeah it was kind of i almost felt like they were like well we gotta um he wasn't in the other ones that much so let's put him in this one a lot um but yeah kind of a nice send-off for c-3po even though you know he's a droid so it's not like he's gonna uh pass away but he's i don't know going forward with whatever they do next whether it's another trilogy of movies or whether i've heard talk that they want to kind of get away from the trilogy format but whatever it is um C-3PO kind of has a nice a nice tribute in this movie of, of how long he got to to show his stuff in the movie. Right. Well, and to think he's one of the few characters who encompasses all nine of the yes. Skywalker Saga films, too. So I think he's the only actor who appears in all nine. I may be incorrect on that, but I, I believe right. he's the only one. Yeah, because Kenny Baker isn't around anymore, so... Yeah, and Peter Mayhew. So um, even though their characters appear, yeah, I think those he's the only actor um, to appear in all all nine. Yeah, that's it's it. It certainly is a, a testament to 
the connection he has. And obviously he wrote the autobiography recently about his experiences. But yes. wow, what a what a, a nice ending to his story because I feel like he his his quirks and uh, wonderful qualities shine throughout this film. Oh yeah. Yeah. Great. Especially great with the memory stuff. loss. <laughs> yeah. Although I kinda wish they had left it that he actually he never got his memories back because I thought there was going to be a bigger payoff. Um, and so when they gave him his memories back at the end, it almost took away the stakes of, you know, his sacrifice or uh, what happened with him losing the memories. So I, I thought that was weird that they didn't do anything with that or have him talk about, hey, Anakin built me. I remember that. I remember back in episode one or or my adventures here i thought they were going to have something like that come into play but um yeah it's it's fine yeah well one thing that frustrated me with the film and obviously we've talked about some spoilers already and i will incorporate a spoiler warning at the beginning of the episode but i really wasn't thrilled with the red herring of chewbacca being killed um i think yes. that was kind of pointless and yes. the, the, the payoff wasn't as strong as it could have been for sure yeah there was no stakes to that because it you you almost didn't even have a chance to mourn for him because he was back and they told you in the next scene um they don't show ray right away um, she doesn't find out right away but we as the audience find out right away and so i'm like you i didn't feel like there was any need for that and there was no stakes to it it didn't pay off in any way because actually, even though, you know, killing one of the main characters of the entire saga off off screen would have been, I think that would have had its own problems, but had he stayed, had that death stayed, that would have been a lot more meaningful and impactful for Ray's story overall of her being pulled to the dark side or, or her lineage of being a Palpatine, you you kind of would have had more of a scare, like, oh, wait a minute. She might actually be overtaken by these dark side powers, or she might actually fall to the dark side. She killed Chewbacca. This is a, a huge moment, but, you know, I, I, don't, I, I don't know how much screen time elapses, maybe two minutes, three minutes, and you're back to, hey, there he is, he's fine. Um, so I... I kind of wish they would have left it either just not done it at all or left the death so that it would have had some type of feeling for us. Um, but yeah, I, I was right there with you on that one. That was not one of my favorite things about the movie. So yeah, definitely on the same note there. And speaking of notes, let's uh, transition into the Woo! score. So we'll, we'll talk about some of the individual tracks um, throughout our conversation, but in thinking about this soundtrack, and I know when you, t uh, as we discussed, you saw the film before me, but you said that probably your favorite part of Rise of Skywalker was the score, which is by the incomparable John Williams. Yes. What did you most appreciate about the score, and, and what were some themes, both in terms of musical themes and just uh, general themes, that struck you as you listened to and watched this on multiple occasions? A lot of it was the impact of, I think, our memories of the past. And so Princess Leia 
Luke Skywalker, the Force, Yoda, all of these memorable themes that he's generated throughout the years, bringing those back to the forefront. Unfortunately, with this one, there wasn't any new theme that kind of stuck out to me. Um, and that's, for, for me, John Williams' master strokes are his theme work. And so, like I said, with all those things, bringing back, like, almost like a greatest hits album of, hey, here's this theme, here's this theme. Um, tying those together, I liked that aspect of it. Um, but there wasn't a new i wouldn't say there's anything from this this soundtrack that i'm i'm gonna say will stick to my memory as oh that was the rise of skywalker theme um especially with episode seven the creation of ray's theme still gives me goosebumps when i hear it um kylo ren's theme and the first order's theme i um those those things give me chills and hearing those the way he tied those into this film um was kind of my my standout moments or my standout tracks whenever you know the force is with you or any type of theme from the past came up those were the standout moments to me and and the ones that give you chills and say, yeah, Ray, the Force, we're all with you. Everybody's, all the Jedis, the previous Jedis are with you. Um, so th those were all the the standout moments for me. Yeah, I appreciate how you mentioned it, that it, this came across as like a greatest hits. And it's probably by virtue of a few factors. One, that this is the end of the Skywalker saga and they wanted yes. to feel like it has a common flavor and and sound to it but also this is nearing the end of john williams career i don't yes. know um perhaps uh, you might be apprised otherwise do, do, does he have any other film projects on his slate or is this going to be his last movie as far as i know he doesn't i i think he'll probably do something with steven spielberg um again i know he said that this is going to be his last star wars work um so this, along with Galaxy's Edge, I think the theme that he did for Galaxy's Edge are, are going to go down in history as his final Star Wars-related work. Um, unfortunately, uh, at the at the time of this recording, he is 87 years old. Um, next month, in in a, in less than 30 days, he's going to be 88 years old. Um, but I don't, I haven't heard anything else um, on on the docket for him. But like I said, he's, he's done, I think 97% of Steven Spielberg's films. So I'm sure he'll have something with Steven Spielberg coming up pretty soon. Right. Okay. But, you know, consequently the, the notion of all these old themes entering the picture is really a reflection of the conclusions and yes. in both of those regards. And as I was listening to it, I was thinking what, what a beautiful tribute to, john williams because you realize especially when you hear practically every major theme across oh, yeah. the saga except maybe for duel of the fates i'm not yes, sure if yeah. that came in at any point if it was it was extremely subtle yeah ultimately it was a, a compilation i there, there were some original themes but 
you're right, they weren't quite as noticeable and memorable as a Ray's theme, yes. which is probably the best, in my opinion, it's probably the best track among the past three films. Yes, in the I would agree. Skywalker saga. Yes. Yeah, and I, it's also hard because, you know, not everything has to be a main theme, uh, but those are the ones that we latch on to as an audience of, we think of, especially in terms of John Williams, we think of the Superman theme, the Star Wars theme, um, the E.T. theme, the Indiana Jones theme. Like, all of those films have an enormous amount of music that goes with them and ties them together. But when when I say those words to you, the first thing you're thinking of is the theme. Um, Harry Potter's the same way. So until you go a little bit further into it as far as the, um, the musical aspect of it and, and as a student of music, I think you don't necessarily appreciate the work that's done to tie the theme together to the rest of the film and kind of push things forward. But also the themes are the ones that I think generate the most emotion from us as an audience. And that's probably why they're the most memorable and they stay with us. Um, they just bring out something like I was saying about Ray's theme. I get chills and goosebumps every time I hear it. Um, and I, I've come to like the Kylo Ren and first order theme a lot more um, as as we've gone through the seven, eight, nine, Ray's theme stand out from day one. That was my favorite and my wife's favorite too. Which usually, when my wife has a favorite something, then I start tend to like it more because she likes it. Um, so she latched onto Ray's theme right away as well. Uh, the Kylo Ren, like I said, first order theme uh, with the horns. Those that one, I I like it a lot more now than I did. Um, when episode seven came out. So the fact that he's just been able to build on top of each previous work, this is kind of a culmination of all of those um, coming together. So it it's a very good soundtrack. Um, like I said, it's just kind of missing the that standout theme that is almost like a punctuation on the statement. Right. Well, and I w- definitely want to point listeners to the there is technically a a rise of skywalker theme um one could look at it as the trio theme because Uh, in fact there are a few scenes with uh ray poe and finn where we it's almost this lighter uh sentiment to it and it's illustrated in the soundtrack in terms of uh the rise of skywalker which is track three and also we go together uh, track nine and that of course is a reflection of you know Ray saying oh I'm just going to handle going to Exegol solo and they're like nope it's it's all of us we're, we're, we're a team and that theme surfaces at a few points but I think part of the problem is, is it's not as striking or um, impactful as some of the other ones that we've heard across the Star Wars universe and I think to other themes benefit they've been played across multiple films in many cases so that's where sometimes time behooves particular tracks if we hear them in different spaces and contexts but if you walk out leaving the film and you can't think of a new original theme that is just really uh striking your attention i think that's also a sign maybe at least in that 
subtle way, the film perhaps um, wasn't as strong, yeah. um, at least on the musical front in terms of fresh themes, right? Yeah, and I guess there's a lot of things that, there's a lot of caveats that we have to kind of consider of what the what they had to work with going into this movie, um, the job and the task of closing out this, like I told you, this uh, trilogy, and then this, I think it's called nonology, a trilogy of trilogies, um, is a nonology. But the task of completing that, wrapping all of that up, and then also at the same time introducing new characters um bringing back old characters like the emperor um what you know what we had to work with with carrie fisher so i think because the movie had so much going on the music kind of matched that of trying to keep everything you know i almost get that feeling or that um sentiment of when in an, in a an old cartoon when a character had to plug leaks uh different water holes coming out and they had to hold their fingers and, and plug each one it's a, you know played for comedy also in the last movie bb8 kind of did it with uh inside of the x pose x-wing he had to kind of plug all these holes and then eventually he just slammed his head on the thing and that the that fixed the leak um that is kind of what i get from the movie in general, Rise of Skywalker, of trying to hold everything together to, to tie everything up. Um, and in some areas, they they succeeded. In some areas, they did not succeed. Um, but overall, I, I can't I, I can't understand a lot of people's dislike or hatred that I've seen coming from people. Um, saying uh, there were some people I I kind of got the feeling that it was the most disappointing movie that they've they watched all year and um, they they dislike everything Disney's done with Star Wars and to me that's just a huge exaggeration and um, just I I just don't understand how they could how they could say that um, but. I, I do think that this soundtrack in general um, is a good testament to John Williams' talent overall, and I will never not, you know, appreciate John Williams' music. Um, in any time I get a chance, I, I'm always immersing myself in John Williams and. Um, trying to find out more about his thought process and, you know, watching interviews with him. It's, it's always a treat for me um, whenever John Williams work is brought up. So I, I'm definitely happy that we got another full set, you know, to work with out of this, um, out of this movie, we got more John Williams music. That was actually a lot of the uh, prequels, Star Wars prequels. That was, the first thing I would say to people when I would defend the prequels, oh, those are terrible. Nothing good came out of those. I would say Duel of the Fates, um, the Anakin and Obi-Wan battle in Episode 3, 
like I, you cannot deny that those themes will be forever linked to Star Wars and be part of the discussion of these are some of the greatest parts of this whole Star Wars saga was that John Williams music. So you can't tell me that the the prequels were all bad because we got brand new John Williams music and memorable themes from John Williams. So I, I always think about that whenever I, I think about the prequels. And now the, the prequel hate has kind of subsided with uh, people, I think, of the Brett generation and younger having grown up with the prequels and with Clone Wars and Rebels now. I think a lot of the hatred I, I used to see is not so much. Funnily enough, now I see more uh, Disney Star Wars hatred than I oh, did yeah. of prequels and oh we need to go back to the prequels Lucas had it all right and then w- when the prequels came out, oh Lucas didn't know what he was doing uh, he ruined my childhood so I always find it interesting to look back at these things and a lot of things are forgotten with time so uh, I-, I think John Williams is always going to be looked at upon favorably as, as time goes on but um, those are just interesting things i noticed yeah he's probably the most consistently strong element of anything across all the star wars films but i agree with you the hyperbolic negative statements that are pervasive in a lot of the star wars fandom can get a little bit exhausting after a while and uh you know it's funny you're mentioning some of the prequels earlier and it makes me think what i think was really nice about them and what maybe largely sets them apart from the sequel trilogy is that there are so many original themes in the prequels, as opposed to drawing upon some of the uh, quote unquote legacy themes. So whereas the legacy themes are so prominent in the sequels, because again, timeline wise, it takes place after the fact the prequels are establishing uh, for, you know, for many viewers, their entryway into the star Wars universe. So you get Anakin's theme at, Anakin and Padme, and then you talked about Anakin and Obi-Wan, and among others, there's there's so much original content that you'll find there and not necessarily in um, the other films, and, and certainly not a lot from the original trilogy in the prequels. So the, in this sense, what makes Rise of Skywalker so unique is that for someone who's never heard anything Star Wars related, just pop in this soundtrack or, or stream it, depending on how old school you are, yeah. uh, maybe stream it. And and yeah. you really get a taste of a little bit of everything John Williams. You get Yoda's theme, um, which was wonderfully played in a few different moments, among others. It's it's really a, a nice uh, mix of everything. Yeah, and I was, I was hoping to get a Yoda appearance. Um, that was one of my favorite things about The Last Jedi when... when uh... Yoda came and it was Frank Oz playing Yoda again. Um, so that was fantastic. But yeah, that when they, when Luke lifted the X wing, um, I thought hearing Yoda's theme, Oh, maybe we're going to see a little glimpse of him in the, in the corner. And, and he's also helping to rise the, uh, raise the X wing. Um, unfortunately we didn't get that, but, um, maybe, maybe in a, another cut, Brett, maybe in, some extended footage 
Yes, what um, <laughs> those rumors are are prevalent, and we'll see by the time the episode is released what what news comes about on that front. But yeah, yeah I love the scene with um, the lifting of the X wing because um, for for listeners, if you want to hear the context behind that, that's going to be track six, uh, Destiny of a Jedi. But it's such an overcoming and moving theme to begin with, but particularly based on the significance of the moment, it feels uh, just so. Um, intoxicating in a, in a positive sense you're just it's you're just enthralled and yeah. I, I, I always feel so at peace whenever I hear that yeah that yeah and that goes back um, to my childhood um, the that Yoda theme I think probably second to the force theme for me of favorites um it's hard to top the force theme but yoda's like you said kind of that serenity calm um and it it makes me feel good when i hear it and i and also i guess it doesn't um or i should say it helps that i love yoda as a character so when i hear his theme i just hear i see him and i i, I get happy um so yeah that the yoda theme man and then i I just started thinking about the princess leia theme um there's so many good themes that john williams created it's just like i was saying earlier it's it's a testament to his talent and his legacy to have kind of a greatest hits and and hear all of those the hints of the old themes as well as his the new compositions and tying everything together yeah, well, and you mentioned Princess Leia's theme, and that's among my favorites, and yes. it, it's so wistful, and yeah. um, it, it takes you back to another time, and certainly we got some um, blips of that in Force Awakens, and then certainly in Last Jedi, when we got floating Leia in space, uh, <laughs> which was uh, a whole other conversation, but in that Destiny of a Jedi uh, track I mentioned earlier, there was uh, a brief reference to that about two-thirds into it, and then um, later in the film too we get a bit of Leia's theme so it's it's not like they're necessarily just limited to a particular segment um, we have these more of these compilation tracks whether it's you know your typical finale and credits but also that um, that rise of Skywalker track three blends Luke and Leia's theme Yoda's it's just there's a lot of uh, mishmashing and it actually generally comes across as very seamless it's not just pure throwing things together and seeing how they uh combine it's it's all in a very smooth manner yeah and that's just expert you know expert level that john williams is at um and i I always love seeing the special features on movies but in the star wars ones in particular i love seeing john williams talk about his process or talk about what he was thinking about and um the creation of Ray's theme, I think kind of, I think he was inspired by Daisy Ridley's performance and I, I, all of that I find fascinating. So I I always enjoy watching special features on John Williams working in the studio or or conducting in the the orchestra. So what are some favorite tracks of yours across the whole soundtrack trend? I think the, the ones that you mentioned, the, uh, the, the finale and um, 
the Rise of Skywalker. Um, I want to say the final Saber duel, I was kind of, because of Duel of the Fates, because of Anakin versus Obi-Wan, I was hoping that that would be a standout track for me, but that one, unfortunately, was not. Um, and I, I was kind of hoping for more of it, but um, a lot of the chase ones, the speeder chase and um, kind of fleeing from Kajimi, those ones I think are, are some of my favorites because of the frantic pace of them and um, they kind of get me feeling like I'm in a chase and um, kind of gets my heart going and uh, blood racing. So all of those ones. Um, and then the way that it wraps up, I think the farewell, the reunion, and a new home, all of those have kind of a big emotional element to them for me. And especially because you're kind of thinking about, and this was actually the same um, when episode three came out, it was kind of a similar thing it had to tie up the two trilogies at the time that existed as well as the that prequel trilogy it had to tie all those things together and then bring your um your kind of your star wars history with you and say oh wow this is the end this is you know we didn't know at the time we were getting seven eight nine so this feels very similar to me, the ending of, of this one. We don't know where what we're going to get next, but this is, we can kind of take a breath and say, okay, seven, eight, nine are done, and that's, the, the Skywalkers are done. You know, kind of looking back on it and seeing how far we've come. Um, so the, the ending tracks, um, and, and the finale, of course, like bringing... As it's go- going through the credits, hearing a lot of um, the classic Star Wars themes. So those are all my, my favorites or standouts. So basically like seven favorite tracks. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, 19, one, two, one through 19, I think. Um, th- just the entire soundtrack. I'll, I'll take it. That's totally <laughs> fine. You know, you made the reference to episode three and it makes me think the concluding scene in that film is very much in the vein of the concluding scene of rise of Skywalker. In that case, it was Obi-Wan bringing Luke to Tatooine and here it's Ray identifying now as a Skywalker. Yeah. Um, I, I love the, the poignance of that and, and the sense of um, parallelism in, in a way of, you know, reflecting on a journey that has been full of a lot of twists and turns and the music definitely in those scenes in both scenes you hear the force theme and uh, also luke's theme as it is um both of those are elevated because of the music and because of the way that it makes you feel you leave the theater leave uh happy and i think in large part it's john williams you have to thank for that Oh, absolutely. Um, no doubt about that. I, I want to um, harken back to the Speeder Chase uh, track for just a second, because that, that was probably one of my favorites on the soundtrack. And one reason is it really reminded me of none other than 
John Williams' work for the Indiana Jones trilogy. Yeah. It was very zippy, lots of wind instruments, uh, playful action cues. Um, and then throughout this several minute track, there's a recurring triumphant trumpet that kind of reinforces the positivity of the, I, I want to say trio, but ultimately the droids are with them and and uh, uh, Chewie as well. But it's it's just so upbeat and classic John Williams in a in a more not not mind you that there's some gravity to the scene because obviously they are being chased, but it's overall kind of just exciting and uh, and not as threatening as the visuals would seem to imply. Yeah. And they fly now, Britt. They fly now. Shut the front door. <laughs> no, that was pretty cool. That was really neat. So they needed an upgrade, apparently. <laughs> and that, I think, um, we're talking about kind of, I think, things that um, we liked or disliked about the movie. J.J. Abrams' sense of action and speed, you know, I think the way that he's able to thrill has was probably the things that I liked the most about episodes seven and nine, the ones that he directed um, in the, in episode seven, there's that extended chase scene when Finn and Ray meet for the first time, and then they get on the millennium Falcon and then right. fly it. That, that to me is, is going to be one of the things that I remember most about the sequel trilogy. And, that same sense, I got that in that in this speeder chase in Rise of Skywalker. Um, not, it didn't, I guess, equal it, but it was right up there, you know, right below there, I should say, um, as far as JJ action sequences and, and thrilling moments. So yeah, that that was a lot of fun, um, and hearing that speeder chase um, track again kind of just brings me back into that moment. Yeah, and I think in that sense that maybe it's a little bit premature to have this interpretation, but I think among the standout tracks from the the new trilogy, I think that one will perhaps come to mind with for some people because it it has those um, it has those familiar elements of the John Williams action cues that we're familiar with, but but again that character that. It, it felt more Indiana Jones than I think I've been able to pick up from some of the recent Star Wars films. And I think yeah. for that reason, I felt very um, enthralled in it. Yeah, I, I, I 100% agree. And I think it was most likely by design that way. Um, and it, I guess the only th- I'm trying to think of other Star Wars parallels, the only thing I can think of is... In the Mandalorian, there's kind of a mm. <laughs> slow speed chase sequence. Yes, where, um, it's very similar to an Indiana Jones moment where the Mandalorian is hanging off the side and might get smashed against the wall. Like, so that's the only other Star Wars parallel I could think of for Indiana Jones. So yeah, for this one, um, for this speeder chase in Rise of Skywalker, I, I would say it is the most Indiana Jones-ish of all of the... um, Actually, yeah, of all the Star Wars movies. Yeah, and and just because there are light moments doesn't mean that 
we go over to the dark side, and that's very apparent in the very aptly titled Anthem of Evil track, number seven, uh, which has a very ominous chorus, and it felt very much akin to what we heard in episode three, Revenge of the Sith, which really relied on um, the chorus to, in a very haunting manner to reflect Anakin's transition to the dark side. So we, we get a bit of that um, on that track as well. Yeah, and it's also kind of similar to the Emperor Emperor's theme, which I love that when you first hear the Emperor's theme is uh, episode six, Return of uh, yeah, Return of the Jedi, and it's like a um, choir kind of haunting um, chant, and then the next time you hear it is chronologically the very next movie episode one that was released when palpatine is shown but it's instead of in a minor key it's in a major key uh but it's the exact same song and so i love that you know the way that john williams hinted at hey this is the emperor this is going to become the bad guy but disguising it in a major key at the end of episode one when everybody's celebrating hey we won we we beat everybody but underneath all of that now this is just starting the the real danger the real villain is is actually right here and he's won instead of you know uh, they they think that they've won the heroes but really the the emperor has has uh, struck his first victory towards what will ultimately become his galaxy, his universe, and so I I love that um, kind of parallel that Anthem of Evil has with the chanting and um, kind of the haunting um, elements to it. Yeah, I it's you know it's one of these things where we're talking about the score now, and I've listened to it several times and seen the film of course but I, I think a lot of these will have even greater poignance with subsequent viewings of the film and them being more incorporated into different contexts within um, the star wars universe so um you know I, I think a perfect example trent is you know when they have these star wars themed concerts or yeah. at the orchestra when they have you know greatest hits obviously they're not going to be um using a minor theme within Rise of Skywalker for that. It's going to be your Force theme or you know maybe, maybe Yoda's theme, Ray's theme, exactly. But I would imagine, you know, in the decade or so to come, maybe there will be some opportunities for um, conductors and, and, and these groups who put on major musical events to draw on some other themes within the, this sequel trilogy. Yeah, I think that'll be interesting to watch and keep track of and see what, how these things play out. Because like I was telling you, with the prequel trilogy, I think it's aged a lot better than upon the initial release. And it's appreciated a lot more now. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how Rise of Skywalker ages. Um, and I hope it does age favorably, like you said, and um, get discovered by new people and and um, kind of brought out and put on display um, because it's hard right now 
being so close to the release of it, it's hard to separate it from the online discourse right now and all the chatter um, is a lot of the the negative aspects and a lot of what people think are plot holes um, in the movie. So with time, I think it'll be easier to kind of look at that, separate it from right now. There's just a lot of um, kind of noise. I think it'll be interesting to separate it from that. Well, and we also live in an age where YouTube is so prevalent and immediately individuals um, who are musicians and and who have such a deep appreciation for music provide their own uh, renditions of yeah. of these themes via not just piano, but a wide variety of instruments. And I, I know I was on YouTube recently and I was watching uh, a college um, music group um, who have these medleys of different uh, recent Disney films and um, major properties and in, in pop culture and it's illustrative of that people who appreciate music will find ways of helping other folks discover music that maybe doesn't always get its due and, and certainly Star Wars is so prevalent in the discourse but it doesn't mean all aspects are and it's p- perhaps only your your film music connoisseurs or those who are really deeply entrenched in Star Wars who are gonna you know give a soundtrack like this more than a uh, a one-time listen yes yeah so that i think that'll be um that'll be nice actually could you once we're done here could you send me that link that sounds very interesting i'd like to watch that yeah i'm trying to i i will definitely do that I, it may have been um may have been the music students at yale um they're extremely talented but yeah it's it, it's so encouraging because i i think back to even 10 years ago when uh you know, YouTube was obviously around for a while, but there wasn't nearly as much content as today. And it's absolutely astonishing to see how much cool um, footage there is out there of of people just, you know, putting their video camera or phone right by um, piano or in a room and, and showcasing their own medley, their own medley, medleys of, of Star Wars <laughs> music. And it it really extends the lifetime and appreciation of all these different tracks that are not necessarily the primary themes. So I, for one, really like March of the Resistance and how that was incorporated in several good spots in the film um, and really heightened the emotion. So um, that's one, too, that I felt like was a a really nice product of the sequel trilogy. Yeah, um, I like that one also, and kind of that's what, I think I, I associate with Poe um, and his character. Um, there was a lot of good um, horn work in general in this, you know, from the Resistance to um, the First Order. I think there's there's a lot of nice nice work being done there. Yeah, absolutely. A few final thoughts I want to offer on the soundtrack and then turn it over to you as well. Um, one is that I think and ho- hope that there will be some sort of deluxe edition of the soundtrack to debut because ultimately what we see in this current product is about 76 minutes and certainly there was more than that on screen. So, And perhaps some of it may have been 
just because they want to develop another release. But like there was a, a really cool piece of music that had a world music flavor when they were on Pisana with the Festival of the Ancestors. Uh, yeah. And I later discovered that uh, it was written uh, written by Lin-Manuel Miranda. Yeah, I so, heard that. So that would be cool to see featured. Um, I feel like there were probably some other cues, too, that didn't make the, the final soundtrack. So hopefully that will arrive. Yeah, I'd like to um, hear that. You know, it's interesting. I don't know if he has Lin, Lin uh, Manuel Miranda has a relationship with J.J. Abrams or what it is, but he was um, involved a lot in the episode seven, um, kind of like the Maz Kanata um, scene. Yes, he he does a lot of alien music, and I want to say he was even on screen at one point, but I can't remember. Um, but yet it's interesting to, to see whenever he touches music, whenever he has, um, something to do with it, there's always something interesting, um, coming out of it, whether he's singing or, or, uh, producing, uh, the music. Absolutely. And, uh, one other remark I wanted to mention is that I, I, Obviously, I'm a, a fan of the music, and we've talked about that. I wish some of the titles of the tracks could have been a bit more inventive. They were very straightforward. Yeah. Um, and Michael Giacchino, of course, is a master in coming up with plays on words. And, and that's not always necessary, but some of them were just kind of dry, like reunion, farewell. I Those are fine words, but I think there's a really good opportunity to... Um, to make them a little bit more substantial. So it's a nitpicky thing that's not so much a reflection of the music, but rather um, what words are associated with them. But so it goes. Yeah, and, you know, I, I wonder if it's John Williams. Um, even on kind of the, uh, the prequel soundtracks, a lot of people were spoiled by... Qui-Gon's death just by the title in the soundtrack and a lot of it is very on the nose you know Anakin's theme um Jar Jar's introduction and so I wonder yeah I wonder how much of it is just John Williams just like that's how he titles his things or that's how he works necessarily but yeah I'm kind of right there with you I like clever titles um and so things being on the nose um <laughs> yeah that, <laughs> just thinking about qui-gon's it's called qui-gon's noble end and so you think about you looking at the soundtrack because the soundtrack came out before the movie in 99 and big mistake about, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad i was not one of those people that looked at the track list and said wait a minute Qui-Gon's end. He's one of the main characters. But yeah, I I'm like I said, I'm right there with you. I like inventive titles. So it goes. A minor <laughs> minor quibble, but uh I have to throw in some of those observations. But final final thoughts from you about Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, I very soundtrack. much enjoyed um the culmination of John Williams' work and it's like a tribute or a testament to to look back at the history by bringing in all of the old themes and there was even that moment in um in the end 
where all of the kind of all of the resistance basically which is what is what turns out to be the resistance all of the ships coming in as well as all of the jedis um speaking to ray and that was the force is with you um track and so that brings in this element of hey everybody is is here to support you and and stand behind you i've Unfortunately, as much as I like that idea and that um, kind of the music behind that track, The Force is With You, it's unfortunate that it came out in the same year as Avengers Endgame, which had a similar scene of everybody's coming up to support you. And so it wasn't as novel as seeing it in Rise of Skywalker wasn't as novel because we had seen it earlier this same year in Endgame, and so the impact of it also was not quite the same. Of you had you know those twenty something Marvel movies versus these nine Skywalker movies of everybody's here, everybody's coming in. This is the culmination of this journey. Um, Endgame felt much more precise to that point of everybody's with you versus this movie rise of skywalker felt kind of almost like i was saying from the beginning just it didn't feel like it was planned from the start and so it just felt like hey let's come up with this one avengers did it earlier let's do that so that's kind of what it felt like um but that my my overall thoughts and my kind of what i took away from it or what i take away from it um is a testament to john williams and both his his overall work in in music and then his work on the star wars saga um having this as his final piece um is is a it's a nice cap to his work um but like i was saying the other piece of star wars music that he's going to be remembered for as well as at the end is is kind of this galaxy's edge theme and that also i like as the final john williams you know statement on star wars so i i like it as a culmination of everything absolutely and that that symphony suite for galaxy's edge is five fantastic minutes that (sighs) is worth listening to again and again and um, i certainly think and, and hope over time that that elements of rise of skywalkers particularly the um, the speeder chase scene will get more more attention because that for me was like a standout scene in the film and the, the music only elevated it so well this was fun Trent always love talking Star Wars music with you my yeah. friend yeah hopefully we can get that festival of the ancestors track to come out and we can dance me and you Brett celebrate just like they did on Pasana. I just will not dress up like those characters because <laughs> I don't think I would sport some of those outfits as well, but I will happily join you. Yeah. <laughs> well, typically we end every episode with the ask of my questions and get some answer segment. We handle that with you for the uh, the two-part Star Wars episodes uh, a year ago, but I do want to ask you one general Star Wars music question if you're up for it. Yeah. So thinking of all the theatrically released films do you what what would you say is one track 
within the Star Wars films that does not get its due. So maybe one that's overlooked or underappreciated, in your opinion. You know, as much as we've talked about Ray's theme in this episode, I still don't hear enough talk about it. Um, so I would even say that that Ray's theme to me is underappreciated at this point. I'm sure as time goes on, it's going to get even more support and, and love behind it. But I don't talk to a lot of Star Wars fans that mention Ray's theme to me when they talk about, you know, Yoda's theme, the Force theme, and all of the classics. Um, actually, you know what? Ray's and I was I'll I'll say Ray's and Kylo Ren's um, theme are both kind of underappreciated to me and i was actually as we were um as i was kind of re-listening to it for this in anticipation of this episode i said to myself man that first order kylo ren theme that you know the horns i i love it more and more as 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 time goes on and and I think I don't hear enough people talking about it. So even though me and you, I think, are big uh, fans of of Ray's theme for sure, and, and also Kylo Ren's, I think I would like more people to to be talking about those. Very nice. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you on Ray's theme. That was in my top ten. So and still still high up there. Yeah. Um, I also want to mention before I forget, in the A New Home track on the soundtrack, there was a very uh, cyclical notion of six notes it was like do 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 and it was played very slowly and de- deliberately um that was a very subtle theme that I, i'd like to hear more of because it uh, i'd have to listen to it more to be able to uh aptly capture um the sound but that was a nice little theme too so nice but i agree with you on race theme totally on that so um as we wrap up Trent, uh, can you remind listeners of how they can follow you on social media? Yeah, um, probably Instagram and Twitter are um, my most active places. At, and both of those are just my last name, Vactor, which is V-A-C-T-O-R. Fantastic. Well, always a pleasure, Trent. Uh, looking forward to more star wars films in the future it might be a bit but at least we have disney plus to whet our appetite in the yes thank you very much brett anytime you need uh a co-pilot let me know i'm always here for you yes you are i'm always happy to have you as my x-wing man there you have it all right thanks again trent and thanks to trent for coming on to notably disney once again as we deconstructed the rise of skywalker soundtrack He's one of the best people to talk with as it pertains to Star Wars, as you may have guessed from that conversation, a lot of unique insights and interpretations. And we all appreciate here how the Star Wars music helps drive the narrative. And it's an integral piece of the Star Wars story. So needless to say, our opinions may not necessarily resonate with everyone, but I certainly hope you took away a few fun facts and Uh, new ways of perceiving the film um, in light of the soundtrack analysis and I imagine you too through further viewings of the film as well as listening to the soundtrack independently 
may take away some new insights and thoughts along the way. So thank you again, Trent. Thanks again for joining me on another episode of Notably Disney. I invite you to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. Follow me on Twitter at Reports. That's B-N-A-C-H-M-A-N Reports. And be among the first to find out about the release of new episodes. I also encourage you to send me an email to NotablyDisney at gmail.com regarding your thoughts of the show, as well as suggestions for content. So until we turn the page on another chapter, I'm Brett, and thanks for listening to Notably Disney. Notably Disney is not affiliated with the Walt Disney Company or any of its subsidiaries. Consequently, the perspectives and opinions expressed by the host and guests are strictly theirs and do not represent the views of the Walt Disney Company and its employees. The main purpose of the Notably Disney podcast is to offer information and critiques about the Walt Disney Company.